Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 165 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast, where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me on this lovely Friday is Dr. Becky O'Brien of Film Music Central. Welcome back, Becky. Hello, it's good to be here once again. Yeah, yeah, we've been having a really fun week, I guess. You, I don't know if fun's the right word. We, we've been having fun talking about it, but these, it, these, are, these are pretty emotional scenes. It's, it's been an interesting conversation, let's put it that way. Yes, yes, no question about that. So, Minute 165 begins with Von Luger finally looking up at Ramsey. And goes until we see Danny and Willie reach for the ladder. Yesterday's entire conversation was all about Ramsey and Von Luger having a conversation about what has happened to 50 of the the POWs. At the beginning, they mentioned these 11 that are coming back, but we're, we're not going to discuss that again today. We're still going to continue talking about the 50 who will not be rejoining us, unfortunately. Yesterday, during the conversation, we noticed that Von Luger didn't look up at Ramsey at all. He constantly looked in every direction that he could. He looked down at a piece of paper. He looked at his hands as he was wringing them back and forth. Anything that he could do to not look at Ramsey was what he did. And at this point, at the beginning of this minute, the first thing he does, he actually gets up the courage, lifts up his head, and looks him in the eye. Finishes his sentence by saying that 50 men were, and then he, he can't go any further. And he just looks at Ramsey, who sighs. And I love that moment between them because, I mean, it's the closest he's going to come to admitting out loud what actually happened. And, you know, and the whole unspoken thing that goes between them is, you know, I'm trying to tell you that they they shot 50 of your men in cold blood and it finally gets across and all the anger just, you can see the moment all the anger just goes out of Ramsey like, oh. I see. And yeah. And, and, and he visibly deflates too. Cause like up until then his, you know, he was eyes bulging full of rage and the, I just love the moment. It just goes out of, I wouldn't say the fight goes out of him, but the anger just vanishes like that. And, and, yeah. and, and he's just suddenly resigned to it. Like, Oh yeah. Because he, he knows that this is the reality of, of war. This is the reality of, of mm-hmm. what they have to deal with, for better, for worse. And I and I just like how, at least for one second, Von Luger finally summoned up the nerve to look him in the eye when he said it. Yes. Yes, once again, we, we mentioned this numerous times yesterday. Hans Messner gives such an amazing performance just in, in, in these scenes. It really shows how great of an actor he can be because he, he makes us feel uncomfortable yep. with him, which works. And then at, at that point, Ramsey says, I see puts his hat on, and as he still looks shocked and saddened, obviously, by everything that happens, he still continues with his duty of what he knows he needs to do, which is basically going to inform everybody else what has happened. We then get... Uh, did you want to say anything else about the two of them in their conversation before we uh, move on to the next scene? No, that was... I mean, it's just that one last moment where he finally makes eye contact despite everything, and... It's almost like he he wants to say what it is out loud. You can tell, but he just doesn't dare say it. That's as close. That's the closest he'll ever get to saying the the truth out loud, and which says a lot about Von Luger. Like the fact that he comes that close to speaking the plain truth 
in that environment tells you something about him. Like the way, the way he just trails yes. off, it's the plainest way of saying, yes, this is what really happened and I do not like it. And by making on, it's yeah. almost like he's saying to Ramsey, I hope you can see that I don't like this. Yes. Please don't hold me responsible for this. Yeah. Even though everyone else will. <laughs> then we, we get a scene outside in, in the courtyard of the, the camp itself. We have Ramsey standing there holding a stack of papers or a few pieces of papers. And we have Soren standing next to him, which shows that Soren has basically taken over the job of Mac. You know, he's his right-hand man at this point. Ramsey then begins uh, reading off names of the, the apparent dead. I'll just quickly go through them. He says, Addison John, Alliday Peter, Bancroft Edward, Bartlett Roger, Cavendish Dennis, Eldridge David, Felton William, and Fanshawe. Arthur. Now, did you notice anything strange about that, that list There's of names? There's characters we know in there. I, I don't know about... Okay. I said, did you notice anything strange? Wife's not in there. Okay. That's one one of the things. First of all, it sounds like it's in alphabetical order, but the last two are not alphabetically proper because you have F-E and then F-A. So that could have just been a Say mistake. the last two one At more end, time. Felton, William, and Fanshawe Arthur. Oh. That, that may have just been something small that slipped by yeah. them. But, as you mentioned, Blythe isn't on that list. Who else isn't on the list? Since we've just said A through Did, F. Didn't he say... Can you think of any other characters who, who have died? Ashley Pitt wasn't on there? No, he was not. Oops. Well, again, I, I, the question is, is, is this a list of the 50 they shot, meaning that there are other prisoners beyond those 50 that didn't make it? Because, as we know, both Ashley Pitt and Blythe were yeah. not shot in the trucks. They were shot... Yeah. Um, in other situations. Well, hang on. Let, let me do some. So we know 50 got... 76 escape total. 50 got yes. shot, which leaves tw- 26 that didn't get, get shot in the trucks. So Correct. take away... Mm, he, take away the three that, that, that escaped. Okay, that's 23. So it's 23. Okay, 11, 11 are being that, returned. That, that's 12. Then take away Blythe and Ashley Pitt, that's 10. So, And take away Hiltz. Hiltz is not counted in the 11. That's right, because he was that separately. That's right. Not- okay, so we still have, give or take, 10 prisoners that we know they didn't escape, but we don't know their fate. We don't know when they will be returned yeah. or anything like that. I always thought as a kid that that meant that there were more that made it out besides the three. Subsequently, I found out that that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I always had hopes that I said, oh, 11 of them made it out, or whatever it was, or whatever the number it, was. It was three in real life, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it, it's just interesting that they leave that open to interpretation, besides, you know, blatantly saying, okay, in addition, you know, we have a few that were shot. I mean, uh, next week we'll discuss the fact that they actually don't know about Blythe. Ramsey asks Henley whatever happened to Blythe. And Henley has to tell them. Yeah. No, but but they only find out yeah. via Henley. So so that means that Blythe was was not yeah. part of the fifty. But but it's still interesting that you know they have Henley, and they didn't mark down somewhere that Blythe. The, the question is is did they only list the fifty that were executed? That's what it's just from what we're talking about. That's what it sounds like because otherwise yeah. the numbers don't quite fit. And and yeah. and, and, and certainly if. If they were counterpart of the 50, they should have been on that list that was being read. 
Or at least Blythe and Ashley Pitt should have been. Correct. Uh, which means that more than 50 died. Yeah. Which, which makes it even crazier, the fact that they only talk about the 50. Because it's more than 50. Yeah. You know, what about... Yeah, again, we, I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that in real life, I don't know if any were killed beyond the 50. Here, we're just talking about the fictional characters. I... So it's possible that in real life, 23 were returned. And I, it's been so long since I read the source material, I honestly don't remember how that exactly worked out, but... I, I, I do know a certain number were sent back to camps or otherwise held until the end of the war. Um, yes. Be, be, because, because remember, we talked about a, a couple episodes ago that um, originally Hitler had wanted them all shot. And, Correct. And he had to be talked down from that. Right. He had to be talked. But, but again, the question then remains, you know, how many did they have in their, in their hands? That I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure some digging would churn it up, but I, I, I do know at least a handful were held in various places until they were either, I think, I know of at least one that was ex- prisoner exchange to be, to be sent home, and one was held pretty much until the end of the war. Right. Ramsey, the, the guy who supposedly Ramsey is based on, if I remember him correctly, he wasn't even there for the actual escape. He, he, the film doesn't mention it, but he was actually exchanged home before the, the escape ever happened. So, no, I think he was afterwards. I, I do believe he was afterwards. Okay, well, I, 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 I do know that's how he got got back. Um, right, Massey. That was his name. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, okay, I'm looking in in the book itself, and what it basically says that they they mention the fact that they they do have. The, the list actually has 47 on it, the original list. Uh-huh. They mention a bunch of the names of the, the various people that were killed. One of them was even the son of a, a permanent member of the undersecretary, the son of the British permanent undersecretary for air, basically saying that the Germans weren't discriminating at all. You know, they decided to shoot whoever they, they had. Then they mentioned the fact that there was another list that they put up on the board. It had names of three more that had been shot. There were three that they added afterwards. So that's why it brought the name to 50. They basically said that with the exception of two Czechs, every non-Briton who had escaped had been reported shot, which means that, I mean, there were no Americans that were in the real uh, camp, but if uh, Henley and Hiltz had had really been there, they would have been shot because they were the non-Brits that were shot. They said that the group of prisoners who had been badly wounded when they were shot down out of the compound were repatriated to England. This was a few days afterwards. So Massey was repatriated not long afterwards. This was, I guess, in some ways to try to placate a little bit. Yeah. And they asked for all of the supplies of the 50 when they took the, those uh, those wounded men and repatriated them. They took the, the any any belongings in the camp of the 50. And it says that they knew that the repatriates would tell everything they knew of the shootings and presumed the Germans thought that the demand for the kid of the 50 would indicate that they had not, after all, been shot, but removed to another camp. So they they were trying to make it, they were trying to hide it already from the beginning. Yep. Interesting. There were a whole bunch that they were trying to get information out of who were returned. And then they, they asked, the, they, they said they didn't seem to any common factor in the shooting. Why shoot some and send others back? One of them had frost, frostbitten feet because they, they escaped in the snow. It was in March. And he was shot, but he, you know... 
there was no chance that he was going to try and escape again. And the fact that nobody was wounded. It basically spelled out what it was. Yeah. Right. And they said that they, they, after the repatriates left, they they brought back all the personal belongings, the missing 50, with the photographs and things things like that. And some of them were even blood blood stained. So only two, two weeks later, they actually informed the new SBO they all were dead. Mm-hmm. And that they, they cremated them. Obviously, the reason they cremated them was to destroy any evidence of how they did that. Yep. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, quite sad the way that this works. Now, we, we then get a back to, 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 to the next shot. You know, when Ramsey's giving off the names, we get a, a, a very long shot of all the prisoners standing at attention in front of these barracks. And yep. as I know, I know your answer that you're going to tell me no. I, I actually counted how many were here. Well, and so, well, I, I, had, I had actually considered something. Um, given how many people escaped, there still seems to be about the same number of people in the shot as there is any other time that are standing at attention. Well, how many people were in the camp? I don't know. Ah, so then again, it's the same. The camp originally had 600 people, so the fact that they were wanted to get 250 out, they weren't trying to get everyone out anyway. Oh, I know that. Um, it, it, but, 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 um, anyways, how, how many people are in the shot? Okay, from what I was able to count, and again, it's a little blurry when you get further down, but based on the the guesstimation that I made, I I counted 43 rows of seven, and then if you add Ramsey and Soren, so you get 303. So I was able to count 303 soldiers here, which is a pretty good uh, estimation as to what there was at the time. I mean, the fact that they were able to get 300 extras for, for this little shot is also great. Yeah. You know, it says a lot about the the way that this, you know, we, we, we get to see them all as he's reading the, the names. It works really well. I like the fact that you can see smoke coming out of the chimneys and, you know, in the various barracks, even though this is supposed to be August. So I don't know why there'd be smoke coming out of the chimneys. It shouldn't be that cold. <laughs> well, they they use the fires for other things and stuff, so... Well, apparently, they use them to hide <laughs> trapdoors. <laughs> no, but, but, but I mean, they use hot water and coffee and stuff for other things, too, so... Yeah, of course. And then we get to... A, a, we, we move back to, to seeing other prisoners... So we get to see Willie and Danny once again in a rowboat. Yep. In a, they, they're, they're apparently the body of water they chose flows into a larger body of water. So it worked, whatever they were trying to do. They actually have a crazy time of it, don't they, once they finally get out? Yes. They have, their escape is quite simple, I guess you can say. Now, what I found interesting is in the original script, this scene takes place before Pilts' run, before they get shot. So the question is, is, you know, why they chose to switch it around? You know, you... I Well, I, I presume so the film will end on a somewhat hopeful note, because isn't the last... No, wait, I'm, I'm thinking too far ahead. Um, no, next week we're going to see Cedric Lawson. Well, I know, I know, I'm thinking, but before Cedric... Is there not a... Is there a camp shot before Cedric, or is Cedric shot immediately after this one we're talking about? Cedric is right after this one. Okay. So, so I'm assuming they switched around so that after all the sadness of, oh, 50 have been shot, we can have at least have something of a hopeful note that, yes, 50 were shot, but these two got away. Yes, exactly. I totally agree that that's what they did. And 
in the in the original script, this is a much longer scene. I mean, what we see here is we see them rowing, and they reach you know a ship that says on it that it's you know from Stockholm, Sweden, which which was mm-hmm. a neutral country at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get to see Charles Bronson do his rowing. He's, he does a nice job of rowing, <laughs> and they uh, end up reaching uh, the, the ladder. When when they reach the ladder, they, <laughs> it's very funny that Willie then takes the rudder, which a few weeks ago or even months ago we had a discussion about why does this rowboat need a rudder? Because usually in a rowboat you don't have a rudder. Well, maybe. so I mean, whatever. I, I, I it, there was a rudder. Yeah, you know, that that's the bottom line. Whether whether it's needed to be there or not, someone left the rudder in there and they were using it. Yep. You know, whether whether it was beneficial to them or not, I don't know. But, you know, they were able to, to make it out. You know, it's nitpicking, but there's one thing about that ship that's always bothered me. It, it's clearly a modern ship. <laughs> it, that is not a 1940 vessel. And just looking at it, I can tell, you know, that's something from the 60s, at least. Well, maybe maybe that has to do with the music, because I... I uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you know more about Danny and Willie's music than, than I do. But for me, it always feels I'm like... Not, I'm, not about the music. I'm not talking about the music. I'm talking about the ship. No, but let me let me explain why. Okay. Because it, to me, it always has like a, a magical or mystical feel to it. You know, like a fantasy feeling. So maybe they were going through... Maybe they had a rowboat that was a time machine <laughs> that took them, you know, 20 years into the future. Or they just couldn't find a period-accurate ship and prayed no one would notice. Um, it's very possible, but um, I, but I mean, I'm probably, I, that has to be. Well, it has to. Be, I mean, given how destructive the war was, I'm sure it was almost impossible then to find an accurate cargo vessel for them to use. So it would be been much easier to just find an existing one, make sure it's painted or actually from Sweden, so it has the right country on it, and use it, and that's that. I mean, it's. It's oh, it's there for less than a minute, so yeah. they, probably, they probably just used what was at hand. Yeah. So on IMDb, the, it actually mentions there that that on on the ship itself, you can see that there are container cranes, or something that wasn't used until the mid nineteen fifties. Yeah. So therefore, it was something that was completely unknown in the forties. Yep. So yeah, it, it, you you are correct. Exactly. In the. <laughs> Yes, very. Now, in the original script, there is a much larger scene. It pertains more to next week, but I, I think it's easy to, to do it now anyway, because oh. next week there isn't that much that, that, that we deal with this little scene either. Although, are, Basically, we, are we still talking about Danny and Willie, or are we moving on? Yes, we are. We're talking about Danny and Willie. Okay. Well, I'll do it after Ben. It's okay. Okay, so Danny and Willie, basically, they reach the, the bottom of the, the ladder of the, the ship, and they start calling out in different languages to try and find someone to respond to them. Start, They say in German, they say in Polish, because Danny's Polish. Willie says in English. Then Danny starts speaking in French, apparently uh, in a very poor accent, it says, <laughs> because they see the cook on the ship, and they're trying to get him to, to respond. And they try to, to get him his attention and get him to say something, and he says nothing. And then they see a patrol, a German patrol boat approaching, and they start getting a little scared that they're going to get caught. D- Danny then looks at the cook and gives him a V for victory sign. And then the cook disappears and comes back out with another man who gives back the V for victory sign. And at that point, they allow them to come up on the ship. They pull themselves up onto the ship. They're not even, a, there's like a rope ladder that they need to go oh. up. 
And then they say an officer on the ship comes and, and joins the other two that are standing there. And you can see that he knew what was going on and that he's, he's acting favorably about what happened. At this point, they, the, this officer looks at the patrol boat that's coming around the ship and at this point tells Danny and Willie to stand, to, to get behind him. He takes this, you know, he takes a p- big piece of iron that's on the deck and drops it down into the rowboat in order to sink the rowboat. Yeah. At this point, the uh, naval patrol shows up. They come up alongside the ship with Danny and Willie quickly ducking down so nobody sees them. And then the German officer calls something out in German. I don't know what it means. So it doesn't make a difference. The Swedish officer then responds that I don't speak mm-hmm. German. So the German officer at this point makes a the motion of a rowboat and, you know, tells them that they're looking for a rowboat. Then he basically says that there are, there are two people that are on it. He puts up two fingers. So the Swedish officer at that point uh, sees him with his arms outstretched with two fingers. And he's the, the German is basically making the V for victory sign. So the, the Swedish officer then says V for victory. German officer realizes that he has no idea what he's talking about. And then the, the ship drives away. At this point... They, and then they, they basically uh, says something in German, don't really know what it is. The Swedish officer then turns to, to William Danny and says, English? And then he says, I speak only a few words English. And it is, and then he smiles and says, welcome. So I, I actually like this little, I, I, I know it's extraneous, I know it's not needed, but it would have added a little more tension to this aspect. You know, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Willie and Danny have a very easy way out here. But I mean, I, I, I kind of like it, though. I mean, I, especially after everything Danny's been through, it's kind of nice that he gets a break in the final cut. Like, if, if anyone deserves it, it's him. Right. Okay, yeah, I can I can agree with that. But but in, in the script, there are other points where you have Danny and, and Willie, you know, ducking under tunnels, you know, so that, that they're, they're, they duck under an underpass, you know, out of sight of some German patrols and things like that. You give them a little more, you, you make the, the, the script, the original script makes it a little yeah. more dangerous for them. The way that we see it here, it doesn't look dangerous at all. I mean, like, again, the music, the you can explain the well, music. Before we get that to that, um, but the thing is, once they get into that boat, they're basically gone because they, they take that boat all the way down to the port they get on the ship and that's that right but the script is the, what i just read the script is able to, to yeah, add a little bit of but, tension but it, but since it's not in the final cut it doesn't really count oh it's not a question of whether it counts the question is whether it's something that that should have been in there or not i mean just saying it's, of all the themes in this film i probably have paid the least attention to danny and willie's um the only musical thing I know about the moment when they pull the boat up to the larger ship is that it reminds me of um, this one church hymn, uh, Gloria and Excelsis. That's the okay. only, that's the only thing I can think of whenever I hear it. Is um, it's it's almost celebratory. It's a, it's it's their theme, but it's a celebratory twist. Like, yay, they're getting away. This is good, and right. so and it and it sounds like. The strings are saying, uh, Gloria, Gloria, yay. Okay, that makes sense. And I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that's what I think of every time I see that moment. Wow, okay. That is definitely very educational I, for me. I did not know that. I didn't think of that. Like I said, I always felt their their theme is more of a fantastical type of, of theme. I, I You know, they're on pixie dust trying to get out, you know, I, that type of thing. 
I honestly did not think. I, I mean, I honestly did not think of it that way. Um, but I, but I haven't read too much into all of the themes of the film too, so I don't know what Bernstein's intentions were with their specific theme. I I really need to go back and watch the comment his commentary sometime. Right. Well, in the commentary, in all fairness to his commentary, he's not there most of the time, and you never know when it's when he's speaking. Only well, actually, you can understand he's speaking when he talks about music, but it, it's not as if you know. I at least in my copy, it doesn't say who's speaking, so I, yeah. I didn't know. You know, again, when he when someone was about music, I knew it was Bernstein. You know, he's on the same track as as a few other of the of the crew yeah. members. You know, where their their information is just put. I mean, I, I always thought the Indian Willis theme was more focused on their friendship, that that tight bond they've got. Because that's, really, that's really what carries them through the story. Because you know, if Willie hadn't been there to stop Danny, Danny probably would have gotten shot many episodes ago. Yes. And instead, mm-hmm. with, with, with Willie's help, he's, he's getting out, which is, you know, which is good. Right. That's true. Now, I, I heard something, and I've, I've mentioned this numerous times over the whole... Uh, over this whole podcast, and and you might know the answer to this, and you might not. I had heard that one of the things that Bernstein did with this movie is that he created sub themes for every one of these characters, and you know, whenever you dealt with a particular character, he was able to put that that little personal theme on for each of them. Have you heard anything like that before? Do you notice something like this? I don't know if it's for every for every single character. I, I know. I, That's what you heard. Again, I know, I'm not... I know all the major characters have one. Um, so, like, even Ives has his own theme, for example. And and, and, mm-hmm. and, and he leaves okay. fairly early on in the story for reasons. Um, he makes it through halfway yeah, but, through but the still, movie. Yeah, but still, he's only in the first half. But he's, uh, So, I would say at least all the named characters, at least on the prisoner side, have theirs. Even if they're not mm-hmm. very big, um, don't ask me to point to a specific musical example and say what they are. But what I know of how Bernstein wrote music—that totally makes sense that he would do that. Um, it makes yeah. it makes yeah. it easier uh, to write about specific characters if you give each one their own little quirk in the music that that represents them. Especially since yeah. since you would need to almost because this cast is so large. At least the first couple times I watched it, I would lose track of who was who. Yeah. So if you have little miniature themes, all he has to do is play, but you know, oh, that's Henley and Blythe, or that's Willie and Danny, or etc. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't. I, I would not say though that every character has one because it's a big cast, but. Definitely smaller pairings and stuff. He's done themes for them, so. Right. Okay. So I I've, I don't have anything else in my notes. What, what's what's your history with this movie? Oh, my history with this movie. Um, I grew up. This is one of the movies I grew up watching. Um, there were. I don't remember how we got a copy. I don't know if my parents recorded it off TV like they did a lot of movies. But I remember growing up watching this and. I was just fascinated. Well, first I was fascinated by the chases at the end, especially anything Steve McQueen did. And fi- <laughs> well, because it was it was one of those movies I would always come in at the middle, so I would always see the exciting stuff at the end. And then eventually I learned that this was all based on real stuff, and I would find ways to watch 
and rewatched the whole movie and I would just found all of it fascinating that more or less this is a thing that happened. I know the movie joins some characters and fudges some details on the timeline, but this is more or less how it happened. And so this just became one of my, and it still is one of my go-to films. If I just want to watch a movie and relax, I'll put this in. I, I, I totally agree with I, that. I, I mean, because <laughs> just the way it's put together, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's not, it's not a perfect film, but it's just put together in a way that it's just enjoyable. Even though I know I know where all the twists are. I know where all the high and low spots are, but I can still enjoy it because it's put together so well. So it's just been one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Okay, great. So is there anything else you want to say specifically about the movie, about the music in the movie, uh, you know, any other parts of the movie, whatever? Any other parts? Anything. Yeah, sure. You, we, we only, you know, discuss these five minutes, but I want to give you the opportunity to say anything you might want to say about anything else. Oh, then in that case, I... My other favorite part, besides these five minutes we've discussed it, I love the 4th of July part. But before it turns tragic with eyes. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that before that, I, so I know in real life there weren't any Americans in the camp ultimately because they got sent to a different camp. Yeah, about three weeks earlier. Because Wally Flood was, you know, the, the consultant on the movie. He was, he was one of the main diggers who, yeah. who got moved out. Not long beforehand. But I love how it, the three Americans they have in the movie, as soon as they get the means, they make moonshine. And I, <laughs> and I, and I find that hysterically funny. Well, it's because you're from Kentucky. I'm from, I'm oh. from Ohio, actually, but... Well, you live in Kentucky, don't you? But, 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 but it's like, I find it hysterically funny that that's assigned to the American characters in the film. That they're the ones who make the moonshine. Mm-hmm. Well, why would and, why would anybody else? <laughs> well, I, there's a whole section about that in the, in the in the book. The one wrote um, a bunch of them did it, but I, I love it in the movie. The Americans specifically are the ones who do it, and the whole scene where it's made and they're tasting it, and 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 you can see and you can tell by the end how potent it is, and like they they sample it and it washes their voices out. Because of how strong it is, yeah. and I just it cracks me up laughing every time. Just their performances with it, especially when James Garner he takes a big sip and it crosses his eyes, and he's like, "Oh God, it's strong!" And, wow, whoa, <laughs> yeah. And and the one guy, he, every time he tries it, he just breaks into a coughing fit. Guff. Yeah, and and of course the whole Fourth of July part with the party and stuff. That's Right up until it isn't, it's funny too, but, and I just, that's one of my favorite parts to watch, the fact that they just hijack the whole day, and, and, and the Brits are more than happy to go along with it. Well, most of them, and the only other thing I want to say, it doesn't have to do with the movie, but the real life part, um, you know what, they, when they found the one, t- when they found Tom, the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, so, well, no, I may be crossing stories. It was either the actual escape tunnel or the Tom t- tunnel. They, one of the two, I forget which, the Germans tried to blow it up to destroy it, right? Mm-hmm. And as I said, I don't, I don't know which tunnel this happened to, but he said, either the person, either the people they hired to rig it with explosives were really bad at their job, or we built it better than we thought, because when they tried to blow it up, 
the ex- it didn't collapse the tunnel. Instead, it shot back up the tunnel and blew up the chimney of the hut that was on top of it. Oh wow! <laughs> and, and and all and they said they couldn't help themselves. They just fell over laughing because it was so funny that they oh, they wow. tried to blow it up and I guess they blew it up. They, they built it so good it wouldn't just collapse like that. So oh wow! And it's one of my favorite real life stories about the incident. Also. It's never mentioned, but um, by the time the camp was evacuated, they were working on a fourth tunnel. Yes, correct. Named George. And yeah, I forgot the name of it. I I, I do remember that they started another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that by the time the Germans uh, rushed them out, they were well on their way on on, jo- uh, on George. And I love the fact that they they hadn't given up on the tunnel even then. After all that, right? I mean, in, in the original script, it, it ends with the SBO telling Soren that he's the new Big X. Oh, okay. Which they took out, which I'm, I'm, that that's one of the few things I'm, I'm a little upset that they took out because it would have shown the additional continuity of things. Well, yeah, well, yeah. It, it would have been with the implication of they're not going to just lay down and give up. Correct. Although, technically, doesn't the current ending of the film sort of imply that, like... Because Kilt has been thrown in the cooler, but you can tell as soon as he gets out, he's going to do it again. That, yeah. that, that's been the running gag of the whole film, him being thrown in the cooler only to try it again. Correct. So, no, there's yeah. so much about this film I could talk about that's just so much fun to watch. Um, only other thing I could mention is um, the fact that they tr- there's like here I actually found I found the, the the quote in the book that you were talking about. So about the about the tunnel, it was Tom. After the first flush of joy, the first didn't quite know what to do about Tom. Usually they flushed out tunnels with a hose, but Tom was too long and too strongly shored. Finally, Van Lindenier rang the army engineers and they sent a, a tiny little man with with happy but cretinous face. He pottered about Tom for two days and laid jelignite in it. I guess that's what it is. Uh, everyone cleared out of 123 and waited expectantly while the little man pushed the exploder. He wasn't a very good engineer. The charge roared out of the tunnel up the shaft. A great mass of 123's roof flew into the air. The concrete floor disintegrated and the chimney ponderously tilted on one side. The little man went away in disgrace and workmen came to repair 123. Even in death, Tom had done his part for the war effort. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a great... I, I forgot about it. I read this a few months ago, and I forgot about that part. That That's great. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yep. It, 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 it's one of those, it's funny because it happened moments. Yes. Like, All right. Anything else? I'm Only other thing, if I can mention it, if, if, if we have time. Um, I also love the opening where they everyone attempts to break out at once in various ways, and they just get foiled one by one. Yes. Showing showing that they're, they're put in a new camp, and within minutes... They're, they're all trying to get out. I mean... So it says so and, much about the characters. And I think that was the point, but, like... And, 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 and it's literally every different escape method you can think of at once. And I don't... Did they actually think any of those would work, or were they just testing the boundaries? I think it was a combination of both. Uh, but if you go back and listen to those first episodes, <laughs> you'll get to hear our thoughts on that again. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good time to go back and read I will have to check them out. Yeah. Okay, well, you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you, Becky? Absolutely. My blog, Film Music Central, can find www.filmmusiccentral.com, or you can find me on Twitter at MusicGamer460. All right, and while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcatcher that you might be using to listen to this show. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website 
is thegreatescapeminute.com, and our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. Becky, I want to once again thank you for joining us this week. It's been very educational for me, hopefully for all our listeners also. It's been my pleasure. Until Monday, tally-ho. Tally-ho.